Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. The news at 11 begins with breaking election news in Virginia. Good evening, I'm Leslie Foster. For the first time in 26 years, Democrats have taken control of the Virginia legislature. Now, this is a big deal. Virginia is the only. 2019 was a big year for Democrats in Virginia. They flipped the state house, getting control of the executive and the legislature, becoming one of 15 Democratic trifectas in the nation. And to put this in perspective, 1993 is the last time that Democrats have held all of these seats. But we want to talk about this. Since getting that power, Democrats have implemented sweeping policy changes, including criminal justice reforms, legalized marijuana, expanded voting rights, gun control, bumping up the minimum wage, and repealing the death penalty. Today, Virginia becomes the first southern state to end this practice. But now, they could lose it all. In just a couple weeks, Republicans have a chance not only to take back the governor's mansion, as you've probably heard, they also might take back the House. These races really show that local politics, in many ways, has the most direct impact on people's everyday lives. Just look at all of the laws that have been enacted in the last two years, and that is, you know, shows you that elections have consequences. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch, and today... I'm Liz Crampton. I'm a state policy reporter at Politico. Liz Crampton on the state house races that could determine the future of Virginia. I was on the campaign trail with Virginia House Delegate Alex Askew, who is fighting to keep his seat in the state assembly. That means he's out on the trail campaigning every day, including on a Sunday where he attended back-to-back church services. Alex was making an appearance at church services to, you know, meet and greet with voters, let them know who he is and that he is trying to remain in office. So what I need you all to do, because I know everybody in here is probably unlikely to argue, but raise your hand if you've already voted. It's five. So please, if you're willing to go today, go down to the courthouse and the school center. Election day is huge for Democrats in Virginia, not just in the closely watched governor's race, but also for down-ballot candidates. On the line is control of the state assembly, which Democrats narrowly captured in 2019. Um, Democrats have just a five-seat majority in the assembly, and there are about a dozen competitive races across the state, and these are competitive Just two years ago, some of these races were nail biters. Um, In one district in Virginia Beach, for example, Democratic incumbent won by just 40 votes. There are similar stories like that all over Virginia. Democrats say that they're cautiously optimistic. You know, they believe strongly in the policies that they've passed and continue to support and that have, you know, been their central campaign messaging. But what this election really comes down to is which party can get their voters out. Um, on election day. So Democrats have been in charge of the state house and Republicans have a chance to take it back. What does that mean policy wise? Democrats in Virginia have been busy in the last two years since they took control of the state house and they've passed a long list of sweeping policies. You know, just for example, they implemented criminal justice reforms, legalized marijuana, expanded voting rights, raised the minimum wage enacted gun control measures, repealed the death penalty, and set a goal of getting Virginia to 100% renewable electric utilities by 2050. 
So they've been busy. And Democrats are saying that if Republicans take control of the assembly, they won't be able to accomplish near as much with that split in power. Hmm. What are the central issues at play in these races? Because obviously you have the governor's race that you mentioned. You also have the party politics on display in Washington right now with Democrats trying to get their spending plan, Biden's agenda passed. How much do you think those will shape the way these other races in Virginia turn out? Or at the end of the day, is this sort of all local issues all the time? Washington, D.C. has a huge influence on Virginia politics, probably because of its proximity to the state. And Mm -hmm. so these elections are heavily influenced by the national political environment. Um, So people campaigning recognize that, you know, there are two influences at play, what's going on in D.C. and also what's going on in Virginia. And Democrats in particular are really hammering home their record from the state house and telling voters, keep me in office. You know, I've shown you what we can do when we're in power and keep me in office so that we can keep delivering for you in these ways. But you do have this governor's race where it's extremely close between Democrat Terry McAuliffe, who was formerly governor of Virginia, and Glenn Youngkin, the Republican. McAuliffe is polling slightly ahead, but Youngkin obviously has some Democrats scared and has been weaponizing hot button issues like COVID vaccine mandates and stuff like that. How are we seeing that play into things here? To a large degree, you know, we're seeing Democrats talk about how if they lose control of the assembly or even lose a fewer seats that, you know, women's reproductive rights are at risk or that, you know, keeping kids safe in school would be at risk with more Republicans in charge. So we're seeing the debate that's happening in the governor's race really mirrored in local races as well. Yeah, one part of your story that stuck out to me was where you spoke to a Democratic candidate talking about the party kind of using a slogan of don't Texas my Virginia, referring to reproductive rights there and sort of showing how those national or other state issues are bleeding into things. Right. And, you know, we're seeing other issues, too, be a really big part of campaigns. You know, Republicans have really tried to frame Democrats as the defund the police party, which is an issue that really stirs up their base. Um, and Republicans have zeroed in on this criminal justice reform package that passed the state house with Democrats in control. Um, but Democrats counter that that attack is based on misinformation um, and that the criminal justice reform package that Republican campaigns have zeroed in on actually doesn't just direct any money away from de- police departments. Do we have any indication polling wise or fundraising wise or anything like that of how this is actually going to turn out? Which party is going to end up in charge of the state house in Virginia? You know, it's really hard to say that the close nature of these races means that it could go either way. You know, we could see Democrats lose a few seats, lose the assembly entirely, or we could also see Democrats gain some seats. It's just really hard to make predictions at this point because it's going to you know, come down to, in some cases, just a few dozen votes. Hmm. Virginia's state house is the only one up for grabs on Election Day in November in less than two weeks. So it's kind of a unique glimpse into purple state politics heading into the midterm elections in 2022 when Democrats, um, when their control of Congress nationally will be on the line. What do you think the dynamics of this race will reveal about national politics heading into next year? You know, just like the governor's race, it's going to reveal if voters are happy keeping Democrats in power and if they agree with the policy decisions that they've been making when they have control. 
Um, so it's really going to tell the party, not just in Virginia, but in other states across the country, you know, to what degree they're going to be able to pursue these policies if voters agree with them or not. Having spent so much time digging into the politics at play in these House races and considering also what's at play in the race for governor, what do you find to be the most fascinating aspect of this all that people might not be thinking about? One interesting thing to note about Virginia is that its election cycles have fallen into this predictable pattern that has Republicans feeling pretty encouraged about their fate in November. So the way it works is that in the year after a presidential election, the party that doesn't hold the White House typically performs well at the ballot box. But there is an exception that's relevant to the current governor's race, which is that Terry McAuliffe bucked that trend and won the governorship when Barack Obama was in office. So maybe that could mean that McAuliffe is the exception to the rule and Democrats could perform well in November. Liz Crampton, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Liz Crampton reported this story as part of Politico's series, The 50, which looks at how state and local decisions are shaping politics. You can find more on that at politico.com slash 50. Again, that's politico.com slash 50. Also today... The Justice and Labor Departments have reached separate settlements with Facebook, requiring the company to pay up to $14.3 million over claims that it discriminated against U.S. workers by purposely reserving certain positions for temporary visa holders in 2018 and 2019. Officials say it is the largest fine and monetary award that the DOJ's Civil Rights Division has collected in its 35-year history of anti-discrimination provisions in the Immigration and Nationality Act, which bars discrimination against workers because of their citizenship or immigration status. Facebook has faced a tidal wave of scrutiny lately as the Democratic-controlled White House and Congress moved to crack down on its impact on children and collection of data, among other things. The company did not immediately respond to a request for comment. And... Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has tested positive for coronavirus. A DHS spokesperson says Mayorkas was fully vaccinated and is experiencing mild symptoms. They say he received the positive result after, quote, taking a test as part of routine pre-travel protocols. According to CNN, Mayorkas was supposed to travel to Colombia with Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Instead, he'll be working from home. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you're hearing and have a second, leave us a rating and review. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.